0: Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahir Rabbil Alameen. Wassalatu wassalamu ala Rasulillah wa ala Alihi wa Ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And welcome to the fourth episode of the Talking Seerah podcast. Uh, so, in this episode, we want to speak about the first revelation of Islam. And the messengership of the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, how he became a messenger and, and what occurred and some of the lessons that we can take from these events. Um, if you take your minds back to the previous episode, we spoke about the actual birth of the Prophet and some of the significant uh, events surrounding uh, either his birth or preceding his birth, those events that happened before his birth and after his birth as well. And which really highlighted to the world and, and the Arabs at large that something. Uh, great was about to occur So something significant was about to occur uh, So if you remember we spoke about the rediscovering of Zamzam uh, Which had been lost for like almost 300 years uh, And we also spoke about the event of the elephant um, And this actually happened in the year The Messenger ﷺ was born um, Where Allah subhanahu wa taala) had uh, basically um, destroyed the army uh, Of the Yemen king Abraha Who had an army, uh, had an elephant in his army uh, destroyed, uh, destroyed this army because of trying to, uh, threatening to destroy the Kaaba, and we spoke about how these significant events that occurred just before the Prophet ﷺ birth uh, really signified that something weighty, something great was about to occur. Uh, we also spoke about some of the early uh, life of the Prophet ﷺ and how uh, Allah Subhanahu was, you know, really. Preparing the Messenger وسلم, for this mission, for becoming a Messenger So uh, some of the tests that the Messenger وسلم, went through at an early age For example, the uh, the fact that he was orphaned three times uh, in his life at an early age Really set that reliance on Allah It gave him that instability at an early life And, and the fact that he had to only rely on Allah and have that trust in Allah and the, the other thing we spoke about is the occupation of the messenger sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The fact that he was a shepherd for, for quite a few years uh, really gave him the, the, the traits of a great leader, to, to be able to lead an ummah, and not any ummah, the greatest ummah to embrace uh, the, uh, the world than ever before, because he was about to lead the entirety of mankind. Um, so today we want to move on to the actual revelation. So what were those events that happened and what happened straight afterwards? Some of the early uh, events that happened that we can take lessons from. And, and the title of today's talk is Iqra, the foundation of a new world order. And it really is a foundation. It was a, a, a massive event, a huge event that you could argue was probably one of the greatest events that this world has ever seen. The fact that Islam was being revealed. And we will speak a bit more about what, what actually occurred. So before the actual revelation, um, some of the, uh, the the situation at the time was that the Messenger وسلم, uh, was seeing dreams. So he was seeing a dream at night, and the, when he would you know get, go about his day, uh, the next day, uh, this dream would come true. So those uh, those things he saw in his dream uh, would you know be fulfilled in his day, and this happened for a 6 month period so he kept seeing what you what we call true true dreams so whatever he was seeing the night before would come true so obviously this uh, you know made the messenger of allah curious as what was about to occur but really didn't really know and in, in fact it was a, a signal from allah it was a it was an indication from allah that the, that he was going to be made a, a prophet and a messenger of allah um and one of the other things that the messenger of allah Uh, would do in his early life uh, even as a young young um, young man would he would go to the the mountain of or the cave of hira and he would contemplate in this cave and you know for many reasons trying to reflect on the creation of allah he believed in allah but he was reflecting on what was happening in society Uh, we spoke about last a few episodes ago how the society had become very corrupt Um, It was in the depths of shirk, in the depths of idolatry and paganism And the Messenger ﷺ had no interest in this So he would, you know, isolate himself away from this kind of corrupt society and fitna And and contemplate on uh, his relationship with Allah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in fact protected the messenger sallallahu even before prophethood uh, from these ills and this falsehood of shirk and idolatry. And the messenger sallallahu alayhi kept him and his family away from these things. He, he had a hatred towards uh, idolatry. He never ever you know, worshipped an idol in his early life even though his people were following idols. And most of his people had uh, fallen into shirk. The messenger sallallahu and his family uh, would never ever do this even though the message of islam had not been revealed yet so one night when the messenger sallallahu was in uh, the cave of hira the grotto hira the fact is he was contemplating and he you know he was, his, he was in for the you know the scariest moment of his life you could call it um the angel jibril alaihi salam in his true form you know the true form of an angel we know that the angels can come in the form of a man as well but actually jibril chose to come in his true True form, as angel with with all his wings and in you know, the grand angel that he was, uh, he descended on the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in you know in this night where whilst the Messenger sallallahu was in cave here as we know, and he said to him Iqra. and the Messenger sallallahu wasallam said, I cannot read, and then Jibril salam again said Iqra, this time holding him tightly said Iqra. and the Messenger sallallahu again said. But I cannot read, I meaning he was illiterate. So he said, "I cannot read." And then the third time, Jibril said, "Iqra," and the mushaṣim again said, "I cannot read." And then Jibril alayhi after three occasions, went went on to recite the first verses of Islam, the first verses of revelation, which was in Surah Al-Alaq, where Allah subhanahu wa taala says, "Iqra bismi Rabbi ladhi al min alak, k wa akram أَلَّذِي allama al-insāna ma lam These were the first words to be revealed in Islam. These are the first words that the Messenger had heard from his Lord, Allah. And it means, well, to, to translate, uh, Recite in the name of your Lord who created. Created man from a clinging substance. Recite, and your Lord is the most generous, who taught by the pen, taught man that which he knew not. So this event occurred uh, in you know in, in the cave of Hira, and and we know and many scholars um, have said that this actually occurred on Laylatul Qadr, the night of Qadr, the night of decree, and that is why in Ramadan, and that is why so much blessing is placed on this one night, because this was the night Allah Subhanahu wa Taala chose for it to be the night when He revealed Islam. He started the revelation of Islam and and the revelation of the Quran itself um and and you know the fact that it carries the blessing of uh you know reward more than 1000 months is because actually this is the weight of this night this is the night the quran was revealed to the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam and there's two meanings to iqra so let's just contemplate a bit about what is what does iqra mean you know uh, when we say iqra many people will say read or recite and the fact is actually they they carry it carries two meanings and depending on who we are um, it can actually mean uh, a different thing. So to explain, for the messengers of Allah, someone who was illiterate, someone who cannot read, this word Iqra actually means recite, because what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is telling the messengers of is that recite in the name of your Lord, meaning this message that I am about to give you, this risala, recite it to mankind, recite it to the Arabs, recite it to the whole of mankind, share this message to everybody because this is your mission this is you know now that you're you are a prophet you are a messenger you have to share this message this risala to the entirety of mankind so that that's what it means for the messenger but the word iqra can also mean read and from our perspective yes we should recite the quran we should you know this this is a rewarding act and we should do this uh, but it also means read in the sense that you know re- read the Quran, understand its meaning. Read you know more than more than just the Quran, other sources of Islam, whether it be the Hadith, whether it be you know all the other Islamic sources that we have, the Quran and the Sunnah, to to gain that knowledge, uh, to gain the understanding of what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and His Messenger requires from us. Uh, this is this is um, an obligation upon us. You know we we are a commanded. To learn about Islam, learn about the Deen, and Subhanallah. One of the amazing things uh, to, that you know you can reflect upon, really, is that this nation that Islam was sent to initially, so that you know the Arabs. We spoke about it last time a little bit, although I think there's uh, two two episodes ago. This nation was known to be an illiterate nation. This nation cannot read. Now, this nation isn't known to be a scholarly nation or someone uh, 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 a nation which the Romans and the Persians looked upon as, you know, a great nation. They were seen as nobodies, you know, and this isn't an insult because the fact is that it was Islam that gave honour to these people. As as a great saying of Omar goes, you know, it was Islam that honoured them. Before, before Islam, they were nobodies. And it's amazing how this one word, iqra, you know, the whole of Islam, but this one word was the foundation for this nation to become, from an illiterate nation, become the most scholarly, the most educated nation... And not from a, just an academic point of view, but from a point of view that the practical application of this knowledge that they gained, they were able to become the superpowers of the world. They were able to defeat the Romans. They were able to defeat the Persians. Subhanallah. On, on, you know, at, the, at the same time these wars were going on, they defeated the Romans and the Persians concurrently, like, at the same time. Con- you know There were two armies. That went and defeated them. It's amazing how Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, you know, gave them this blessing, this honor. Uh, and we today, are Muslim, many of us that are non-Arabs, are Muslim for this reason, Subhanallah. And uh, one of the things that uh, uh, we, you know, we should reflect upon is what about our situation today? You know, today we aren't a superpower. We're not. You know, we don't carry uh, the same status and glory that we once had. But we do have. This manual, this, this, these events that happened in, in Islam prior, you know, the, the, the bits that we're talking about today in Sira, which we can reflect upon and learn upon, that learn, learn about how these illiterate people, these Arabs, were able to became, become the you know, world beaters, the, the greatest of generations, the greatest of men and, and women. And today, when we're being downtrodden, when we're being uh, dominated by you know America and all the other nations that have really you know ganged up on the Muslims, and Islam has become such a you know problem to them, you know we need to reflect upon how these previous na- generations who uh, were in our position but were able to you know become the best generations. How do we take lessons from this? How do we uh, you know? Um, basically try and follow the same path so that we can seek our salvation, that we can once again bring Islam to her former glory, inshallah. So what was this foundation of their victory? What was, uh, you know, how did they go on to be the superpower and world beaters? The reality is, the fact is, that it was this one word, iqra, read or recite, that this word made them seek that knowledge, gain that knowledge, gain uh the, the, the beneficial knowledge, the knowledge that requires them to understand what do we need to do? You know, what is our purpose? What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's messenger require from us? And then they were able to implement all of that learning and that knowledge and defeat the adversaries. Subhanallah. And again, like I said, we need to we need to obtain this. We need to understand what this is. And you know, in Islam, for us Muslims, that seeking the knowledge and seeking uh um, understanding what we need to do as Muslims is not a choice. It's not something that we can just think whether we want to do it or not, whether we have time or not. Actually, it's a duty. It's an obligation upon all of us. I and mean, know there are many hadith which really put knowledge and seeking knowledge at a great status. Uh, many of the scholars have even said that every Muslim has this duty uh, to gain that knowledge. And uh, whenever we seek knowledge... You know, knowledge is in many things. It can be in your workplace, it can be in education. And all of these things can be halal as well, don't get me wrong. You, you know, we can seek knowledge to become a lawyer, to become a doctor, to become a great scientist, whatever it may be. This is all knowledge, um, and it will benefit us in this world. But what is true beneficial knowledge? You know, we make a du'a to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that uh, it's a very common du'a where we say that اللهم as'aluka ilman nafi'an. That we say, ilman nafi'an, Which, ilman nafi'an means, Beneficial Knowledge. So when we ask and seek, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, seek from Allah, Beneficial Knowledge, the reality is, we're, we're seeking knowledge that will help us attain Jannah. Help us please Allah. And although there's all this other knowledge that we can gain, the main beneficial knowledge that will really save us uh, from the day of judgment, from uh, you know g- attaining uh, j- uh, jannah and and save ourselves from the hellfire, is that beneficial knowledge of Islam, and that's how we need to look at it. That, that you know, this is what is required from us, and what the Messenger of Wasallam and Allah subhanahu wa taala have in many occasions have, have told us. One one really good example of this in the seerah, or not in the seerah, but in the in the early life um of you could still say seerah, but um not in this episode, we can probably talk about it later. But a really good example of it was when Omar uh, was um once reading the scriptures of the Torah, the Torah, the, the book from of the Jews, and Muhammad sallallahu saw him do this. So he saw Omar had been reading this Torah and he got angry. He he got a bit Uh, red-faced and angry at Omar, said that, have I not bought you with something better, meaning the Qur'an? And he got angry with Omar because he was saying that, look, the Qur'an is everything. You know, you don't need to gain knowledge from the previous scriptures because the Qur'an has come to, you know, it's it's all-encompassing. It's come to replace all of that. So as long as you follow the Qur'an and the Sunnah, you don't need to attain all this other knowledge. Even though it is knowledge... There's only that one beneficial knowledge And he became angry And he even said that If Musa السلام, was here with us today He would have no choice but to follow me Muhammad sallallahu alaihi So it's quite interesting that even You know, even things like You'd think that is really beneficial Actually, we have to ask us What is true beneficial knowledge? If we're not learning and, uh, about the Quran And seeking the, you know, doing tafsir And reflecting on the Quran But doing other things Have we really, you know Have we obtained the true beneficial knowledge That we speak about? and this other another thing to really reflect upon this event that occurred uh, in cave of the cave of hira where the messenger of wa was visited by jibril um where jibril squeezed the messenger of so much so that the messenger thought he he was going to die he actually thought that this is my death uh, because the squeeze was so tight um the messenger sallam, you know it was such a weighty revelation a weighty word uh, and it's something we can reflect upon in the sense that why was it such a you know a massive experience? And we even know that when revelation would ever whenever it descended upon the Messenger of um his face would show that weight of the Quran and the weight of the words of Allah. Uh, on one occasion, Zayd ibn Haritha said, "I felt the weight of the knee of Rasulullah which was almost going to crush my thigh when the revelation was being descended upon. You know, Zayd ibn Haritha could feel it that it's going to crush his own thigh, and that is because that word." It's, no, it's not any word, it's not any kalam, it's the kalam of Allah. And the kalam of Allah carries such a grand word, especially uh, for the Quran, because the fact is this Quran was here to liberate mankind. It was a massive, massive, uh, it has it a has great meaning. And you know, the great power to liberate mankind from the darkness to Allah. And that is why uh, this symbolizes, you know, Jibreel holding tightly to the Messenger so much so that he thinks he's gonna die, really symbolizes that this word is 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 not to be taken lightly. It's a weighty word, it's a it's a heavy word, and you know, after this day there is no more rest as as the Messenger وسلم, told his wife when he when he went back to her. And let's touch upon that slightly uh, now. So now that this event had just occurred and the Allah was frightened, what had occurred? Such a, a massive event with Angel Jibreel in his truth form coming and descending upon the Allah. Uh, he went back to his wife worried and scared what had occurred. He, he went to his wife. As we all know, he said, Zambiluni, zambiluni, dathiruni, dathiruni. Cover me, cover me, wrap me in a garment, wrap me in a garment to his wife. And his wife comforted him and 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 you know asked what had happened, and the messenger was shivering and scared and didn't know what to make of it, and uh, you know he thought maybe it was the worst. It could have been you know gin, uh, an experience from jinns or magic or whatever it may be. He didn't really know what had happened, and Khadija she played an amazing role that she comforted him, uh, you know gave him reassuring words to say that look, you feed the needy, you know you you're a righteous man. You you help the poor. You help. Uh, you know, you, you you help the guest. You you are accommodating to the guest. All of these traits that the Messenger had even before Islam, um, Khadija was trying to reassure him that to tell him that you know Allah would never ever you know leave you you know this can't, you know this must be from Allah. Uh, don't worry, don't you know be reassured that this is nothing bad. So just to focus on the status uh, of Khadija and and the the fact that how much she supported the Messenger the reality is that Khadija, Allah subhanahu wa taala placed her in you know the four Best women of mankind, you know she was placed at that level uh, for for to Allah and to the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and you know th- that's not for any little reason. You know there's some uh, great hikmah behind this in the fact that the the, the wife of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, she uh, was the first to support him, the first to believe in the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam straight away without any question, and the fact that she helped him financially, you know, material help, that really. Ensured that the Dawah of the Messenger was getting out there, and and she was always there to help emotionally when he would come back from a bad day. Uh, you know, he would you know be rejected by many of his people. You know, it was Khadija that was having to comfort, and the, the same way that she comforted him here in this event, the first event that really frightened him uh, in in the Cave of Hira. And um, it's just a lesson that we we should really take upon ourselves today, especially in a world where um, you know feminism is is becoming. Uh, the buzzword and everyone's talking about how women need their rights and, and things like this and you know don't get me wrong you know many people many men out there have taken advantage of women have you know viewed women as objects and this is something that we must challenge but as muslims we challenge that with islam you know the fact and reality is that islam is the one that honored the woman islam is the one that gave her her rights and you know, examples of Khadija, examples of Aisha, examples of Fatima, all of these examples we should really learn about and, and teach our children, teach our daughters, our sisters. Even us men, we, we, we should read about uh, the great women of Islam and, and what we should expect from our uh, women that are around us. And yeah, it's just, it's just you know, digressing a little bit from, from us, the Seerah, but it's a really important point, especially because uh, there is a campaign to... To really uh, target the role of women in Islam, and we need to be able to challenge it. We need to be able to realize what is the true role of, of Muslim women, uh, and, and how people and, and the role models such as Khadija are the ones that we should be looking up to not, and not anybody else. So, we will also speak about the death, how the death of Khadija had a massive impact uh, on, the, uh, on the Prophet ﷺ and the da'wah. You know, the fact that she was supporting him emotionally. You know, that, that was one thing that had gone. And the fact that she also supported him materially with, with finance, uh, the fact that that went, um, you know, that had a massive impact on the Dawah and on Islam. So when Khadija had comforted her the, his her husband, the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, she also uh, thought, uh, you know, a great idea uh, that came to mind where uh, she had a cousin, Waraka Ibn Nawful, who was a well-versed, well-educated man he was a christian in the true form so the true uh, belief of christianity and uh, he was he was literate so he, he was read he, he read upon the bible and, and other sources of of uh, um, you know sources of uh, from allah and he he knew about some of the previous events pre- previous prophets so he was taken to uh khadija took the messenger of wa to Waraka. and uh, Waraka ibn nawfal asked the messenger of to relate the story to speak about what had happened, and the message related you know what had happened in the cave and how Jibreel had descended and Waraka Subhanallah said interestingly that this was you know the Namus al Akbar, the great angel, the same angel that came to musa you know, this, you know it was the same same being, and the reason he knew that he knew about uh, what happened with Musa and all the signs and all the indications were that, were that this was the same angel um, even even the message you know it was it was the same um, and one of the most interesting things that Waraka Ibn Nawfal said that really shocked uh, the messenger, wasallam. he said that, you know, with this uh, message, you know, if, sorry, he said that, and I wish I was young uh, when the people will drive you out of your land. He said this to the messenger and the messenger was really surprised that, subhanAllah, the people will, my own people, no way, they can't drive me out of my own land. And the fact and reality is that Waraka Ibn Uful was was right, it was true. And the reason the Messenger was questioning this, uh, and the reason why it was came as a shock to the Messenger, was firstly because the Messenger, if you remember, he was known to be the best of Quraysh. He was known to be as uh, known as Al Amin, the most true trust, uh, trustworthy. Uh, he was known as Al Sadiq, the, the the truthful. So he he was beloved to his people, and you know, and we even know of the situation where the, the black rock was uh, having to be placed and when. The Messenger came in towards the the you know the, the Haram, um, they choose, chose him as the man who would place, and they were all happy with this decision because he was known as the most trustworthy, the one that really was good to everybody. So, this was the first reason that really shocked that why would the people who really love me force me out of my land? And the second reason was that the fact is, that he was from the noblest of tribes. He was from Quraysh and from within the Quraysh, the most noble, Banu Hashim. And, you know, you know, to have that status, he thought, how can they drive me out? Even though I'm from the most noblest of them all. And the final reason is that in this tribal society, people don't drive people out. Their tribes, you know, they, they have each other's back. And they, for this to happen, it would be major. And it could only happen for something really significant. And the fact and reality is that this was the most significant thing to happen to the Arabs. And that was Islam and And the the reason ibn Bernol was saying uh, that they would drive you out is that any message that had come very similar to this, where truth had come to really collide with falsehood um this had happened. The people rejected, and the people drove that messenger out even tried to kill the messenger, so you know he was true to you know true in his foresight. That this would happen and this did happen. They did, you know, essentially want to kill the Messenger of and drive him out from his land. So, again, it's a lesson for us in that, the, you know, Islam, the Haq, will cause a collision. It will cause some sort of animosity uh, with the status quo. Because if the status quo is about fitna, it's about corruption, idolatry, you know, shirk, if it's all the wrong and falsehood there and you have truth that has come here, no doubt it's going to cause a storm. It's going to cause that conflict. And because of that conflict and that kind of um, unsettled disruption of the status quo, um, the people were unable to accept it. And this happened uh, then and it happens even today it will happen. And that is why when we give da'wah, when we spread Islam, when we speak about Islam, we shouldn't you know, mince our words. We shouldn't compromise our words. We have the haqq. We have the truth. And no matter how much uh, kind of animosity or uh, it might be politically incorrect to say something, it doesn't matter. The right reality is the truth will always cause a, a bit of a conflict. And even in this world that we have today where things that are totally wrong, you know, things that even they thought were wrong in one, one day and age, Islam always had its stance of truth. And, you know, we have to continue with that stance, not to water down Islam to try and fit in with that fitna. Um, you know, we just need to make sure that Islam is, you know, stays upon truth and stays on that level. So there is this argument out there that, you know, you know, we need to give dawah with our behaviour. We need to give dawah with our ahlaq and, and our speech and, you know, just being kind. And while we have to have these traits, as Muslims we are kind, you know, we are uh, respectful. We are. We do have hikmah in the way we give dawah. This is, you know, we should never be disrespectful, even to the non-Muslim, you know, we have to have that respect for them as people, not not for their what they carry, in the sense that if they carry falsehood, we don't disrespect that. But, you know, some people have this argument that people will become Muslim if they just see that how good we are as people. No, and the reality is if the messenger, who was the best of us, the most trustworthy, the most truthful, the people didn't accept him for being, you know, having all these traits and and great ahlak. Who, who's going to accept us? And the fact is, it's not this that people rejected. It wasn't the fact that because he was tr- truthful and trustworthy that they rejected him. They rejected him because they could not stand his message. This message that came to challenge them, this message that came to change that order and, and establish this new divine world order. That is what it is. You know, you know, that is what caused that animosity, and that that is what people were against. Not the character of the Messenger of and again, for us, you know, we need to have that stance and recognize that not it's not our akhlaq and our behavior that's going to change people. It is our words and stick into the stick into the truth that will change people, and that we need to stick continue our dawah in that way. Now that this had occurred, the first revelation had been uh, given. It actually stopped for a while. Um, the Messenger of Allah was. Um, Be wondering, where's the next revelation going to come? When is it going to come? And, you know, there's a few reasons that the scholars give why this may have occurred. Firstly, is that perhaps Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted the Messenger to contemplate on these first words. These first words were huge. As we're saying, iqra, read. You know, these words it needed to be contemplated over. It needed to for someone to really reflect and understand what is my mission. And that is what Allah subhanahu wa was giving the Messenger Muhammad Sallam that time to do. And the other thing that scholars say is that it created a yearning from the Messenger Sallam, this kind of you know, yearning for the next revelation, wanting to hear more of the words of Allah. After hearing these first beautiful words and perfect words from Allah, the Messenger Sallam in fact was yearning for for more. And it was a bit of time and and no revelation, but then the the next three revelations are very significant. And there's a difference of opinion as to what they were, but they say, the scholars say that there are two, two um, revelations that came after, and they were uh, Surah al Muzammil and Surah Al-Muddathir. Uh, there's, again, a difference of opinion which came second, but they say that these two definitely came after Surah Al-Alaq. And subhanAllah, these um, these, uh, these surahs and these, the, even the first revelation really creates that guidebook and manual for a da'i, for a for a dawa carrier. It really shows. Even these, you know, we have the whole Quran, but these first three revelations really set down the premise that that foundation of what what it takes for a uh, for a dawa carrier. Um, and what were they? So, Surah Al Muddathir to start with. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Ya Ayuha Al Muddathir, kun fa'andil O you who covers himself with a garment, arise and warn, and your Lord glorify. So the next ayah after Ikra was arise and warn. And that is, you know, it's amazing how, um, you know, it wasn't knowledge, it wasn't seeking knowledge for the sake of knowledge. It wasn't just to recite, but it actually was to go out there, you know, tell others about it, implement what you've learned, and then warn others. And that it, that's what it means for us to be Muslims. It's not sufficient for me to sit at home, read the Qur'an and the, and the hadith and the sources of Islam, and then just implement it within my own life and then leave the rest of society to become corrupt. Our duty is, yes, upon ourselves and our families, but also to the rest of the Muslims and mankind at large. And that is what Allah Taala is telling, telling the messenger. that Kum Arise and warn. So this was you know this this is a principle in Islam that whenever we seek knowledge whenever we gain and attain that knowledge, it has to be practical it shouldn't just be from an academic point of view uh, where we just seek it and then hold it within we need to understand really what does that mean and then how do I implement that in my life how do I go out and tell others about it in the best way possible uh, because we are, are ummah of knowledge and action right and the, and there's a great saying of Abu Bakr where he said that um, we're Without knowledge, action is useless. And knowledge without action is futile. And subhanallah, I'll say that again. Without knowledge, action is useless. And knowledge without action is futile. And what Abu Bakr is really trying to say here is that if you have knowledge but don't act upon it, what is the point? That knowledge is just within you. Nothing happens with that knowledge, so it becomes useless. And acting you know, take unimplementing things and doing things without the basis of that knowledge is futile because you're acting in an ignorant manner. You're acting without knowledge. That is why it's important for us as Muslims to have both, have that knowledge, have that basis, but ensure that we take that knowledge and act upon it. Um, so the next uh, verse, or the the, the thir- second or the third verse uh, to be revealed to the Messenger of was Surah Al Muzammil, where Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala says, "Ya Ayuha Al Muzammil, Kumin Layla Illa Qalil." All you who wrap him, wraps himself in clothing, arise to pray the night except for a little. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now is telling the Messenger sallallahu alaihi you need to glorify me, you need to praise me, you need to, at night you need to wake up and, and recognise that this is who you are doing it for, for Allah, for the sake of Allah. And as da'wah carries, as those who want to continue this mission of the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam, we need to recognise that it's not sufficient for us just to have the knowledge and give da'wah. We need to glorify Allah. We need to recognise that our knowledge, our seeking of that knowledge, and our action is for one purpose only, and that is to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you know, pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, make dua to Allah that He, you know, ensures that we have the right intention, ensures that our knowledge and our action is put in the right place and you know others listen to us and and, and others can benefit from our words. Always having that correct correct intention. And purifying our intention, and this is a very important uh, thing. I think that in today's day and age is is even more important because, in a world of social media, in a world where um, you know it's easy to kind of gain that popularity and fame, and you know it's all about the likes and the comments and the hits, and you know you have this kind of world, this media, this uh, bubble that we live in, this social bubble. And very easily, you may start on the right path. You may start with the right pure intentions, but. When it becomes about kind of seeking likes, seeking popularity and fame, it's very easy for the shaitan to whisper to us and our intentions start to drag to the wrong direction. And what we start doing is we start to compromise on our message. We start to water down the message because this new message, this kind of less, uh, you know, less kind of blunt message generates more likes, generates more popularity. But we need to always go back down to why are we doing this? You know what is the sole purpose of giving dawah by sharing the message? Even for us, our voice of the ummah, we you know we need to always ask ourselves this question: Why are we doing this? And and the reality is, the fact is, we do it for the pleasure of Allah, and that is it—to seek the pleasure of Allah, and to relate back to the Messenger of Allah. Why this was so important is that you know he is going to go out there give dawah. He's going to call people to Islam, and he's going to have many bad days. He's going to have days where he's rejected. As we saw, as we we will speak about, he's going to have many days where he's rejected. But if he knows that I'm doing it simply, not for the people, but for Allah, for the pleasure of Allah, I can carry on and continue and not get too disheartened. Because the reality is, doesn't matter how popular i am how how much people like me i'm not doing it for them to like me i'm doing it for the sake and pleasure and happiness of allah and that's it and that is a principle that we must also embody and, and, and carry when we whenever we're doing this and always trying to purify our our intentions and making sure that we're doing it purely for the sake and pleasure of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so to kind of bring it to a bit of a close and uh, and wrap it up a little, um, there's three elements of what we can take from the first few bits of revelation, and that is initially that knowledge, attaining that knowledge, reading uh, that knowledge. There's so much knowledge out there, but making sure it's the the beneficial knowledge. Secondly, acting upon that knowledge, you know, making sure that it's not just you know an academic exercise where we're reading, but actually. And you know, taking that ayat, reflecting upon it, and then implementing it in our daily lives, and attached to that also arising and warning, telling others about that, calling others to it with hikmah, with with uh, you know um, authority, but making sure that people can understand, not not out of kind of forcing people, making people understand. You know, having that conversation. It's really important that we do go out and arise and warn, but keep the message straight. And the final bit is making sure that we glorify Allah pray to Allah, making sure that we do all our actions, gaining that knowledge, seeking that knowledge, implementing it, arising, warning, is all done for the sake and pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, so this is, you know, this as we were saying, Ikra, this word was that foundation of a new world order, a divine world order that came to replace all the falsehood, all the corruption that was there with truth, falsehood, with truth, justice. And, and and goodness and subhanAllah that, 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 that is that is a mission of Islam and that is what we as Muslims need to carry ourselves today and you know I pray that we have you know we do this and and we embody this in ourselves in anything that we do uh, and let's bring it to a close now inshallah you know I pray that you're benefited as, as I as always I, every episode I say you know you know you may have benefited and inshallah I pray you have but make sure you share it with others make share it with your family uh, share it with uh, your friends and, and you know Like and share uh, Just you know It just helps get the message out Insha'Allah قولي قولي هذا وستكفر الله لكم ورساء للمسلمين فستكفره إنه هو الغفور الرحيم الله